Hi, I'm Kalila Reynolds and welcome to Taking Stock. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. But before we get started, head over to my brand spanking new website, KalilaReynolds.com to subscribe to our newsletter. You can click the link up here or in the description box below. Now, come on, let's get this money. First up, Scotiabank is closing two branches and converting six others to digital only. How will you be affected? We'll find out from President and CEO of Scotia Group Jamaica, David Noel. And later, the analysts weigh in on the latest market developments. Food distributor Everything Fresh has gotten the go-ahead from the Central Bank of Bahamas to acquire a 60% stake in a company it took a bet on in 2019. And Caribbean Cement Company results are out, and it's not what you might expect. We'll discuss. But first, here's What's Hot, brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. The Jamaica Stock Exchange, JSC, is heading back to court on November 25 to seek approval for seven more listed companies to host their annual general meetings, AGMs, virtually in light of the continued control measures for COVID-19. In June this year, the JSC successfully lobbied for 16 public companies to hold their AGMs fully or partially by electronic means. The new set of companies being represented by the JSC are Wisinka Group, NCB Financial Group, KLE Group, Everything Fresh, Sibony Group, Caribbean Assurance Brokers and Jamaica Broilers Group. The JSC petition also seeks an order to have its own upcoming extraordinary general meeting held virtually. Shareholders of the RGR Gleaner Group gave directors the green light to increase authorized shares in the company. It will pave the way for one entity to double its holdings in the group. The special resolution was one of three that were fully backed by shareholders at the company's recent AGM. Shareholders also approved a rule change that will enable a shareholder or connected parties to own up to 21% of the company, up from 10%. The third special resolution will allow the RGR Gleaner Group to hold hybrid meetings using a mix of virtual and in-person attendance. The RGR Gleaner Group ended the June 1st quarter 2020 with $1.5 million profit, which was much lower than the $24 million earned a year earlier. The reduction was due in part to reduced advertising due to COVID-19. Key insurance company shareholders have also approved the company's planned rights issue to raise much-needed capital. The shareholders approved two resolutions, the rights issue and an increase in capital at the company's recent AGM. The AGM was the first held since the cash-strapped company was acquired by Grace Kennedy in March. The company expects the right issue to occur before the end of the year. Shareholders will have the option to sell their rights to other existing shareholders. The Ministry of Health and Wellness approved three private labs to test for COVID-19 locally in addition to government facilities. They are Carigen based at the University of the West Indies, Mona, Microlabs based on Melmac Avenue with branches island-wide, and Technological Solutions based on Red Hills Road. Technological Solutions was approved to do environmental testing for the virus, while the other two labs provide paid PCR tests. Meanwhile, the government will consider implementing measures that will enable fast food, beverage and restaurant operators to provide services during the nightly curfew. Restaurants and fast food outlets have complained that the curfew has severely cut the after-work dinner crowd. Prime Minister Andrew Holness said that these measures should be in place when the current COVID-19 restrictions are extended or altered. Digicel announced that its Jamaica CEO, Alison Filbert, will resign effective year-end after leading a transition at the company. According to a statement by Group CEO of Digicel's global operations, Oliver Cochlan, last week, Mrs. Filbert has decided to resign, having achieved her goal of helping the entity become a digital operator. Alison Filbert succeeded Justin Morin as CEO of Digicel Jamaica on August 1 last year. Both CEOs are Jamaican, with Morin being the first local to head the entity. He, however, lasted less than two years in the position. Digicel will announce a new Jamaica CEO in the coming days. Industrial air cooling company CAC2000 will make a final payment of $45,000 to X-ray Diagnostics in December, bringing an end to a 17-year legal battle between the two companies. X-ray Diagnostics sued CAC2000 to recover losses following a fire in 2003, which destroyed equipment that CAC was engaged to service. 
X-ray Diagnostics reached out to settle the case in May this year, proposing that CAC pay them a settlement of 1.16 million Jamaican plus 445,000 US dollars, totaling around 66 million. The funds were to be paid in six installments ending December 31. CAC agreed to the terms and also ceased plans to appeal the case, thereby reducing future legal fees and foreign currency fluctuations. The company has made all payments on schedule. What's Hot was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. And when we come back, upcoming job losses at Scotiabank. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agent, insurance made easy, and Massey United Insurance. How good is your insurance? Welcome back to Taking Stock. Scotiabank is closing its doors in Black River, St. Elizabeth and Old Harbor, St. Catherine. Six other branches, including Portmore, which is a pretty big branch, are being converted to digital only. Why? To tell us more, we have President and CEO of Scotia Group Jamaica, David Noel. Hi, David. How are you doing? I hear that you're leaving us. I am Kalila, and hello to you and hello to your viewers. So you're going to, to Canada. You have a reassignment. I've been reassigned to Canada, moving to lead the Atlantic region, which is the eastern coast of Canada. So looking forward to it. New and exciting challenge. You go into the cold, though. Jeez. Yes, I'm, I'm actually moving up in the middle of winter, right? So, so very bad timing, but, but we're looking forward to the challenge. And congratulations to your successor, Audrey. You have... Audrey's fantastic. She's going to do a great job. As I've said to many people, we're actually trading up in Jamaica because she's going to be an amazing CEO. So I'm excited about what, what, what she will do and what, you know, Scotiabank, the future of Scotiabank in Jamaica under her leadership. Okay, so I invited you on the program because of this announcement that you all made last week, whereby Scotiabank will be closing two branches and you're converting six other branches, including the Portmore branch, to, to fully digital branches. I tweeted it. It got almost like 300 retweets. And let me tell you, David, every single response was negative. I didn't see a single positive reaction to that news. So tell me, justify why these moves. Okay. So first of all, let me just say that anytime we're doing changes that are going to impact not only our staff, but our customers, these are changes that we take very seriously. So we, we look at all the information we have, we look at all the data, and we try to make the best decision for the organization. So obviously, this is going to impact our staff. And we're going to be working with the union representing the staff to ensure that we can mitigate any job loss. There are some vacancies across our network. And so we're going to be work with, working with our employees to see if we can place as many of them as possible. And that consultation with the process with the, process with the union has started, and that should continue. And when it comes to our customers, there is some time between now and when those changes will take effect, particularly with the branches that are closing. So we've already begun the engagement process to see what we can do to help you know, our customers transition and to help our customers continue to be able to get their banking services. So we, we do know that this is going to have an impact on both employees and customers, and we're committed to working with our communities that we serve and working with our employees to ensure that there's a smooth transition. So I want to step back now more broadly to look at the reasons for those changes, because I think that's what you're, you, you want to know. Why yeah, we want to know the reasons, because a lot of people, a, a big part of the concern that I saw was for the elderly, who people yes. who aren't as you know, off a with using the digital technology, who may have difficulty going into the ATMs, even seeing the buttons, that type of thing. Right. A lot of people are concerned about those who typically would be your in-branch customers. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's an amazing question, and I think um, the reasons for, for the decision are clear, and uh, I'm going to try and articulate those reasons. Over the past few years, you've seen a steady trend of a decline in in-branch transactions and an increase in digital transactions. So many of your, your viewers and listeners, you know, watching on YouTube or going to your website, probably do most of their banking online do most of their transfers online. They don't think of going into a bank to line up to go and pay a bill. And so we've seen those, that trend happen over the last 10 years. Just you know, five years ago, you had over 30% of transactions happening in branch, 
total transactions. That has been coming down steadily, and online and mobile transactions used to be less than 10%. Online and mobile transactions crossed um, branch transactions in about 2017, so you had basically had more online transactions than branch transactions. And branch transactions, the percentage of all transactions, is now down to less than 6%. So in some of our branches um, that we're closing, you've actually seen a 50% drop in transactions in a one-year period. But that trend had been starting for, for many years. Every year, at least between 10 and 20%, the, the reduction of 10 and 20% in transactions that happen in branch. And the reason for this is clear. It's the ability of, of customers to do transactions, routine transactions in many different ways. So this trend has been happening for some time now. I think what has happened is that it's been accelerated by COVID-19. You've seen a situation in which, either through lockdowns or otherwise, people could only do their banking digitally. And those who did not have access to digital banking um, were scrambling to get online or find an alternative way to do their banking. So you mentioned the elderly, for example. We know it's sometimes difficult for people to make the leap to say, let me try doing online banking. But anyone with a smartphone or access to the internet, once we take the time to explain how simple it is to do banking online and to do online transactions, the fact that it's actually cheaper for you, mobile and online transactions are free, you, you see customers saying, well, why didn't I do this before? I think we have a responsibility to, do, to ensure that we are taking the time to help those customers, whether seniors or those customers who are not comfortable with the technology, helping them to learn how to use that technology. And so that's our commitment to ensuring that we're helping all those customers who would like to go digital to be able to do so. So are you doing that? Are you holding the hands of those of your especially elderly customers, going with them into the ATM and showing them how to use it, showing them how to use the, the online banking, for example, providing computers in your branch or outside of the branch and showing them how to use it? Absolutely. So even during COVID, we have dedicated people with a mask and they normally have a face shield as well, who are working with our seniors and otherwise to help, um, help our customers learn how to use online, mobile, and ATMs. And we focus on ATMs as well, but the critical thing is getting them online so that from the comfort and safety of their home with COVID, they can do those transfers. So there are a number of, of areas in branches now that are dedicated to helping us teach our, our customers how to use these channels. So as they come into our to, to the branch, there's someone there to help them. You haven't visited our new Scotiabank Centre branch yet, Kalila, but I'd invite you when we, it's open, but we're having an official opening in a few weeks. We actually have a special social zone. It's called a social zone, which with social distance is probably not the best thing out. But we actually have a table with six iPads that are designed for customers to be able to come in and use with a Scotiabank there. And the aim is anyone who owns an account, anyone who's curious about online, iPads are actually there for them to learn how to use it. We can then walk them to the ATM to ensure that they're comfortable using the ATM as well. Because this is about empowering our people to be able to do transactions digitally. And that's going to be critical if Jamaica is going to achieve the financial and economic success that we think is possible. We need to drive financial inclusion. And the only way to get more and more Jamaicans into the financial system um, in, a, in a sensible way is too digital. Let me tell you something. It breaks my heart whenever I'm at an ATM and an elderly person asks me to help them because I always feel like they're so vulnerable. Suppose I personally wasn't there and they asked the wrong person and that person who is they asked to help them ends up just cleaning out their bank account right then and there. I always feel very, you know, very concerned for them. And, and Kalila, that's an excellent point. And there, there are things that in dealing in physical, so I call cash physical. So for me, ATMs are still a physical transaction, right? You're getting cash out of that transaction. And yes, we're still a heavy cash society, but we're actually seeing cash decrease and I expect that trend to continue. The true way or, or the safest way to actually do your banking, particularly for the elderly, instead of, you know, perhaps jumping in a taxi or asking a relative to take you to the bank, and everyone sees you coming from the bank or someone knows you've come back from the bank and, and you know, are, are you know, asking you for money or pressuring you for money. If you can stay in the safety of your home 
and go on your phone or your iPad or, or, or however you access the internet and do a transfer and do your banking in, in the comfort of your home, it's cheaper and far more secure without anyone having to know what you are doing. That is actually where I think we need to get to. So, and that's, and that's the feedback we've gotten from our elderly customers. COVID gave us an opportunity to have a conversation with some of our customers who said, I've come to this branch every week for the last 20, 30 years, but I'm afraid to leave my home because of, um, because of COVID and I've been told to stay home by the health authorities. What can we do? Once we've set those people up because they were willing to hear because of, because of COVID, I've gotten long, glowing letters saying, thank you, this is the best thing ever. Why didn't you do this before? So I think what we're trying to do is to ensure that we do have the resources available. We're putting iPads in some of our branches, as I said before, we're starting with Scotiabank Centre, Oxford Road, and we're going to be rolling out these, these zones to other branches because we want the branch to be an area in which we can empower our customers to, to do banking digitally. And it's not about not having branches. What we want to see is a branch changing from somewhere which you line up for a long time to do a routine transaction to somewhere where you can get advice on solutions. So a higher percentage of the time you spend in a branch or activities in a branch should be around advice for saving for gold. You know, perhaps buying a home, buying a car, starting a business. We don't believe we spend enough time with our customers providing them with financial advice. And we want to ensure that we are, we are shifting away from the brands being so focused on routine transactions and lining up and in and out to a place where you can come in, sit down and have a conversation about your financial future. But if you want to do that, David, if that's the direction, then why are you making some branches digital only? So, so people in support more won't have that option to come in and sit down and get that type of advice? No. So, so let me clarify what digital is, because I think that may have been, that may have been creating um, some confusion. Digital just means there are no cash transactions at the telewicket other than um, if you want cash, you go to an ATM. There's still going to be tellers there to do other types of transactions that perhaps are non-cash transactions. And they're definitely going to be advisors. In fact, we're going to have more space to have advisors. So whether it's a loan officer, a, a, an insurance advisor, an investment advisor, there, there are going to be more advisors there. With these changes, we're actually increasing the number of advisors. And we have been increasing the number of these financial advisors over time so that we can have more of those conversations. So, come visit the branch. There are more spots, more locations to have conversations. And over time, there'll be less lines snaking through a branch through routine transactions. Because I think that's where we've, we've perhaps missed the mark. We've done transactions, but we the only way to truly have financial inclusion is to providing that financial advice to our, to our customers. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, Kalida, if Jamaica wants to move forward and we say we want to you know, triple the number of people who are accessing who have access to the financial network and can do digital payments. If you're doing banking in a traditional way, that means building three times as many branches in all banks doing that and having this, this, this sort of concept of going to stand in line, the one day away being, being payday where no work happens for half the day because people are standing in line. We can be a far more productive society. We can have much more financial inclusion if we use the, um, the, the available technology, we use digital to be able to leapfrog some of our, our other competitors to really have a digital society so that you do team transactions on your phone and then you go and speak to someone the first time you want to invest in stocks, first time you want to you know, maybe take out an insurance policy for yourself or for your kids. You're thinking of buying a car or, or a home and you want some advice as to how, how, how you should do that and how you should plan for that. Those are the, the types of conversations we need to be having in branches. And that's, that's where we want to get to. And having in person. Yes, yes. You do want yes. more because those calling, calling the call center is usually a very frustrating experience. I can tell yes. I called the call center probably last week and being on hold is not fun. The other thing is when you're, you're making this transition and encouraging people to use more digital channels and to use your ABMs more often, then that means you need to expand that network. I had the experience recently too. So I, I usually bank in the Ligany area. And so now you have only three ABMs there. You're encouraging people to use them. And now you have this long line 
at the ABM and it's not even month end at the time because everybody's trying to do multiple transactions at the ABM. So you need to, to expand there too. Absolutely. And we have added 80 new ATMs this year. We've also added the, the new features to the ATM, the new look, the software is all new. There's touchscreen and there's functionality to choose what kind of currency you want. We, we're now doing small loans at an ATM. So there's much more functionality in the ATMs as well. But there are two things we absolutely need to do, continue to expand the ATM network, but also really ensure that the reliability is there. There are certain times of the month where it's out of cash or, or there's another technical issue. You know, I think it takes too long to get it back up. So that's your spot on. If we're going to be asking people to use our digital channels, they must work all the time. And mm -hmm. we also need to have ATMs available. But from a macro perspective, um, Kalido, ATM usage as a percentage of total transactions is also declining. So I think Jamaica is not ready for no cash yet. So you're going to see ATM expansion for a while. But if you look to other markets, the more people are using digital and making digital payments as opposed to paying in cash, you're, you're going to see reliance on ATMs decrease. ATMs used to be the number one channel at 50% um, in the height of COVID. Um, and, and even now, it's down to about 35%. So even ATMs are going down and you've seen a rapid uptake in digital. The key thing is to make sure that the most vulnerable or the people who are, are, are not comfortable don't get left behind. Absolutely. And that we're spending the time to help those customers move forward and make the transition. Absolutely. Let me read for you some of the comments that I got on Twitter. So one person says, while I'm not too familiar with Black River, I can't comment on that, but the annex closure of Old Harbor is a big surprise. Honestly, the people of Old Harbor need a larger space, and now they have to go to Maypen. NCB should just expand into that vacant space. Another comment says, uh, banks now need greater connectivity to pay credit card bills and instant transfers between accounts and across institutions, up the digital ante. So I think that's one of the very few positive responses that you got. Another said, you guys who have money I'm in happy there was one, Yeah, so there was one. Someone else says, you guys who have money in BNS, pull it out and find another bank. Another one says, wow. Another says, what do they mean digital only? Sounds like more dividends for shareholders to me, which was a common theme among the responses. People saying Scotiabank doesn't care about me, the customer. They only care about their bottom line and their profits. What do you say to that criticism? Because that's been a longstanding criticism of Scotia, especially because you're foreign owned. So Kalina, well, we're listed on Jamaica Stock Exchange and about 30% of our shareholders are Jamaican, right? And we do want to ensure that we are operating an efficient business. Um, if you look at what happened through COVID-19 and the increase in, in um, you know, anticipated increases in delinquency, you've seen bank profits actually decline because of the, the significant increases in provisions for credit losses or PCLs. So I think every bank has an obligation to ensure that it's operating in a way that's sustainable and efficient. And when you look at the number of transactions happening in branches, routine transactions, you, you see a clear decline, decline and a clear, clear shift in towards digital and other, other channels. So to do that, you need to make significant investments in your digital capabilities. And you also need to make sure you're, you're making investments in your, your capabilities to be able to provide advice and solutions to your customers. So this is really a shift away from having your resources and capabilities focused on routine transactions that can be done more efficiently in another channel and ensuring that true value added um, activities, providing advice and solution, which ultimately is gonna help grow the Jamaican economy and have financial inclusion, um, you need to have more of those activities. Scotiabank and any financial institution only does as well over the long term as the underlying economy. So we have to find a way to ensure that we're supporting activities that are gonna be supporting economic growth and finding the most efficient ways to do other activities that can be done in other ways. You speak about Old Harbor, and we just had a, a long meeting with the Old Harbor um, Chamber of Commerce yesterday, um, a Zoom call. And again, we know that there are going to be instances in which you know, this creates um, difficulty. But a lot of the people on the call said they actually do most of their transactions digitally, online and mobile. And some of the issues they have had is perhaps where do they deposit cash to the center? They still have cash sales. 
Well, yeah, so, these are the people who you're calling on a Zoom call, so they're already familiar with technology. We're talking about the people who might not have access to such right. a Zoom call. So, but, they, but in fairness, they did raise it for the, for the seniors. So starting on Monday, there's going to be an additional desk at the Old Harbor branch dedicated to seniors or anyone else who wants to learn about technology. We have um, an iPad there. The ATM will be right there. Somebody will be there to walk them over to ensure that we that, that, that is available. But over the last year, Kalila, the people of Old Harbor have been using that technology and have been making those payments. As I said, we've seen a rapid increase in the number of people using the digital channels um, with the advent of COVID. So our aim is to, to empower those who are not yet using the channel so they can know how simple and easy it is. I'll ask you as a journalist to, to perhaps mention that, you know, it really is something that is doable and simple. I am very pleased that there's a push by the government to have national broadband, because I think it's critical for our, our people to be successful, to have access to the internet. It's not just about doing your banking online. It's about for children going to school online, if necessary. It's about accessing information about a variety of different things. It's about perhaps accessing programming, such as yours, using the internet online. That's, that's where I think we need to get Jamaica to. So I, I know it's painful for children now who don't have access to internet, but the programs to get iPads or tablets out to students and to get internet access across different communities, I think it's going to not only help the students with education now, it's going to empower those households to be able no. to do far more things differently. You're speaking to the converted when it comes to digital. So my company is all digital, completely online. I think everything should be done online. I think we should move towards cashless society and all that. But like I said, there is still a, a yeah. digital divide. There still are people and vast amounts of people who don't have access to these channels. They may have the device, they may have the smartphone, but that doesn't mean they can necessarily afford uh, to buy the data plans the data yes. packages that, that would allow right. them to, to conduct their banking online. Well, Kalila, um, thanks for raising that. But Scotia, a year ago, we struck up a partnership with one telco um, where your, your data is zero rated if you're using the Scotia Bank app. So once you have a data package, even if you have no, or your data is turned on, if you have no data, no credit, you can still access the Scotia Bank app. And then this year, earlier this year, right before, um, right when COVID was picking up in March, we actually expanded to the other telco. So the two main telephone companies, Digital and Flow, if you are using our mobile banking app, once your data, you have a data package, you use zero data. So zero data on the Scotiabank app, it's zero rated. So those are the sorts of things that I think we, we need to do. So we put Wi-Fi in all our branches, just so that those customers come in, they don't have to use data if we're setting them up to use our mobile banking app. And we're actually, we've actually zero-rated data um, across the board for people using our app. And those are the sorts of things I think we're going to have to get creative around just to help people to make that transition. Well, that's certainly a positive, David. And I have to say, I, I do like your new mobile app, really nice. So those are, are some positives that you're making there. But let me read this other comment from Twitter. Conrad says, Scotiabank needs to come clean on their short to long-term plans for Jamaica. Things not looking good right now. And so we know what the direction has been in some of the other Caribbean countries where Scotiabank has been exiting those countries. What are the, the plans for Jamaica? Yes. So Scotiabank has big plans for Jamaica. We're making big investments in Jamaica. And Jamaica is one of our key markets in the Caribbean. We've said that. And spending $1.5 billion to renovate our head office building, to have a modern um, head office so that our, our, our teams can collaborate more effectively, a more open concept, different rooms, fully digital where you go and you can plug into any workstation and be able to access all of your files, all your information and collaboration rooms, so with, with all the world-class technology you need to ensure that we're really empowering our teams to, to work differently, think differently, and approach um, the whole way we work in a different way. And also our head office branch. Um, please, I really want you to come and take a look at it. I think it's something that all people in Kingston and all Jamaicans will be proud of. It's a world-class location that has digital features, 
but it's about people coming in and having conversations. Whether it's booths where you can sit down and speak to someone, offices, you can go in to have a more private conversation. The social zone with the table and the six iPads, you have to use every other iPad now because of social distancing. But once COVID is gone, I think you're going to see the uses there. And the aim is to help empower our teams and our people to be able to use it. We're making those investments because we believe in Jamaica. We think Jamaica has a bright future. We have strong capital, strong liquidity, and we're making strong investments in digital to, to ensure that we can continue to serve Jamaican people. You don't make those sorts of investments unless you have big plans for the future. If you no think plans about, to leave Jamaica. No plans to leave Jamaica. And if you, if you look at the mobile banking app, it used to be that maybe we'd update it once every few years. You will know that things such as alerts and the ability to, to add recipients and change recipients and then pay credit card bills, even if it's not your credit card, new features are being added almost every month. And you're, you're going to continue to see that sort of thing. It's now a proper app on the phone where whether you can unlock it with your face or you can unlock it with your fingerprint, it's not just a web wrap that takes you to a website. These are some of the features, more and more features that we're going to be added to our apps. We want to have world-class digital technology, which requires big investments. And we have been making those investments because we believe that Jamaica has a bright future. I'm also very happy that we started this journey a few years ago when I came and, and we, we started making significant investments in digital. Because if we had not made those investments in digital with those apps and online banking for business customers, if you think about COVID, so many people would not have been able to do their business in a normal way if everyone had to go to a branch because physical, you know, going to physical spaces was restricted. So those investments are paying off. They obviously take a long time to pay off, particularly since mobile and online transactions are free. But we believe the economy will grow and prosper as you get more and more people into the financial sector. You create that financial inclusion and you create an ecosystem with digital payments you can really focus on higher value items like providing advice for investments, insurance, loans, because you, you, the routine transactions are being dealt with in a much more simple way. Before we go, David, what are you most proud of during your tenure since, since you're leaving us? And what are you most disappointed in that you haven't been able to accomplish during your time? All right. So I'd say two things I'm proud of. Um, one would be the amazing team that we have, you know, to be led by Audrey Togwell Henry. We have Adrian Stokes, who is insurance and investments. Perrin Gale, who has done an excellent job in our corporate and commercial banking team. You've seen solid growth in those loans over the last few years, even in the time of COVID. That means we're investing in the economy. So I think the solid team we've assembled and what they've been able to do, that's what I'm most proud of. And I'm also proud of digital. So there are two things. The fact that we have made advances with our new mobile banking app, first bank anywhere in the Caribbean for sure and maybe anywhere in the world to zero-rate data so customers can access that app without data charges. So digital and the amazing team are the two things I'm proud of. The thing that I know that um, we need to do better at and, and uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm partly responsible for it and I take full responsibility for not having it is our ATM reliability. We need to do better there. We need to get far more ATMs out there faster, and we need to make sure that they're up all the time. Well, David, I wish you all the best in your new role and your new uh, transition. And thank you very much for having me. Congratulations on your new website and all the thank best you. to you as well. Thank you. All right. Bye. Up next, we've got your market recap and the analysts are standing by. This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agent, insurance made easy, and Massey United Insurance. How good is your insurance? Time now for your market recap, brought to you by Sagicor Investments. Think wealth, think Sagicor Investments. The Jamaica Stock Exchange declined last week, with the combined index losing less than 1%. 100 stocks traded across both the main and junior markets of the JSC for the week ending Friday, October 30, 2020. 40 advanced, 50 declined, and 10 stayed the same. 
Nearly 92 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, totaling $766 million. Trans-Jamaican Highway traded the most, taking up 24% of market volume. The stock lost one cent to open the week at $1.28. Wigton Wind Farm Ordinary Shares traded the second most, with people buying and selling nearly 20 million shares in the company. The stock lost two cents to close last week at 78 cents. And General Accident Insurance Company Jamaica was also among the most traded, taking up 5% of market volume. The stock lost 35 cents to open the week at $6.01. Now let's see who else had the biggest gains. Sterling Investments USD rose an astounding 41% last week. The stock starts this week at $0.03 US. Proven Investments USD is up 31% to close last week at $0.27 US. And Caribbean Cement Company gained nearly 27%, its stock ending the week at $55.59. On the losing side now, Main Event Entertainment Group fell 18% to close last week at $3.02. First Rock Capital Holdings USD fell nearly 18% to end last week at $0.07 a share. And 138 Student Living Jamaica Variable Preference ends this week 13% down to open at $6.88. Now here's a quick look at some of the highlights of the month of October. The main index declined by less than 2%, while the junior market fell 3%, the financial index lost nearly 3%. ISP Finance Services came out on top as October's biggest gain, its stock up 50%. And Sterling Investments USD not only was this week's biggest gainer, but also was the month's second biggest gain. JMMB Group 7% VRJMDCR preference shares was the biggest loser, down 20%, to start this new month November at $1.34. And KLE was the second biggest loser, its stock price down 26 cents to close October at $1.10. Market Recap was brought to you by Sagicor Investments. Think wealth, think Sagicor Investments. This segment of Taking Stock, The Analysts, is brought to you by Ideal Portfolio Services. Welcome back to Taking Stock. I've got a team of analysts to examine the week in business. I'm joined by Senior Wealth Advisor at Ideal Portfolio Services, Auric Angus, and co-founder of Caribbean Value Investor and host of Beyond the Stock Price on YouTube, Devroid Davis. Devroid, Auric, hi. Hi, Kalila. Hi, Kalila. Good afternoon. Devroid, new background, who this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to follow your lead, Kalila, like consistent improvement. And it's all black, so black background, black outfits. You're in a, you're in a black phase, Dev. Yeah, like CVS colors are black and white, so I'm trying to keep okay. that consistent okay. across the look now. Branding, okay, I get yes. you. I, I see you. <laughs> Let's talk about some results. So we're going to go local first, and then, Auric, I know you want to get to some of the U.S. markets. But first, right. Carib Cement's results are out. Devroid, what are the highlights? So um, Carib Cement has pretty much produced really impressive results. Um, I must say that these results are, well, I've been anticipating them for some time uh, with the increased level of development that we had seen going on throughout 2018, 2019, I was kind of wondering where the revenue improvement was for Carib Cement. So to see them now reporting $5.7 billion in revenue for the quarter, that is actually pretty impressive. I mean, I think it's um, high time that they start to give investors some good news. The stock itself has also rebounded coming from around the high 40s to going as high as the low 60s. I think the highest I think it went was like $63 um, in the past week. So again, that's good news. We've seen um, net income also increasing. Net income has surpassed $2.2 billion, comparing that to the previous period where net income was around, um, I believe it's 800 and something million dollars. So again, that's good news. The, um, the nine month results, I mean, that was, those are the results that they published. So the nine month results have actually surpassed the full year results for 2020, for 2019. So again, I'm anticipating even more good news coming out once they're audited financials 
have been published. You know, I'm, I'm like you. So 2018, 2019, I was wondering, where are the revenues? Where is the growth? Because everywhere you look, stuff is building. And, I'm, and we kept getting bad news from Carib Cement. And then ironically, now in the pandemic, they're reporting all the good news when construction had slowed down for, well, exactly. was on pause for a while. So did that take you by surprise that they've had this growth even during the pandemic when, when lots of construction was on pause? To be honest, it has, um, but it is welcomed news. Naturally. <laughs> also, there is something that they've been planning. I mean, they had this initiative to use the tires from Riverton to kind of lower their, um, their electricity costs for their manufacturing process. So I'm looking to see when that becomes um, like fully implemented how that will actually impact the company's um, bottom line. I think going forward, though, Caribbean Cement is one is one to watch. And I should make the disclaimer here that I do have a substantial holdings in the company. So that is, um, I, I guess. You know, I could tell by the, I could tell based on your excitement. Oh, really? <laughs> what can I say? I wear, I wear my investments on my sleeve. <laughs> I like that. You should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> All right, so let's take a look at another local company, Everything Fresh. They're looking to expand to the Bahamas. They've now gotten the go-ahead to, to enter that market and acquiring a company there. I think 60% in a, in a Bahamian company. How big a deal is this? Um, it is a big deal, actually, for a company like that. I remember when they were just coming to the junior stock exchange market. I wasn't so fond of it because the margins were really thin. But obviously, that was heavily dependent on the nature of business that is, it's, it's, it's in. Um, when you look at the Bahamas in general, it, tourism, they're de dependent on tourism is a major, is a critical factor. Um, and in a market like that, hopefully when things start to stabilize again, they should really benefit from such um, expansions. Hopefully it can also, obviously it will improve their revenue margins and hopefully widen the, the bottom line a bit. Um, so that's a plus for me. It's a very big deal. Um, I am in full support of that. In addition to that, um, in, the, in the interim until hopefully things start to stabilize or get back to some form of normalization again. The company is trying to find innovative ways to improve their revenue streams through, through different mediums, you know? So those are good signs. I, I'm, li I'm liking what I'm seeing. Um, the, trading, the, the trading on the stock exchange haven't been really sensitive or responding to that as yet. But for long term, I'm sure there will be some growth to come. Devra, remind us what uh, brands and products Everything Fresh is known for. Um, so their primarily their primary business is really distribution of like foods and dairy products and stuff to the hotel industry. Um, their acquisition in early 2019, I believe it was, was for I think a company Expert Meats Limited, and um, that was supposed to enable them to do like sausages and uh, also like pork cuts and so to supply their hotel customer base. I do recall seeing an article, or I believe it was in one of their disclosures, where they mentioned cutting back on some of the operations at their meeting. Right. So it is, again, welcomed news to see them expanding into the region, as well as um, taking initiatives now to, as Oric said, um, improve their revenues amidst the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, so they're a distributor, they're not a manufacturer. I guess you could consider them a manufacturer to, based on their acquisition of expert meats, but their mm. primary business, and this was from 2008, their primary business has been in the actual import, like fruits and vegetables, and um, redistribution to the hotel sector. Right. Well, let's take a look at the overseas markets. Oryx, some exciting news on the tech scene. What's going on on the tech scene? I mean, it is excited, but not all that exciting. Um, we've been seeing some mixed re results coming out of the earnings season. Um, there, there is a um, record rises of the COVID-19 pandemic coupled with the U.S. presidential election that is coming up next week, you know? So 
The numbers are looking fairly good. Um, Alphabet, which is Google, beat earnings. Um, the quarterly sales were up about 15% or $46.2 billion when compared to a year ago. Um, the bottom line was 11.2, so that's good. Um, Twitter, Twitter shares tumbled on Thursday. Amazon and, and Microsoft reported fairly good results um, earlier on in the week. But all eyes are on Apple this week in terms of um, they they did beat earnings expectation, but iPhone sales fell a bit low, lower than what was expected. And that was normal because over the years up to this year, the company has always been able to successfully um, launch their new iPhone somewhere around September. But because of the COVID-19 pandemic, that was pushed back to um, this month, October 13th. So the results are the numbers from the first week of iPhone sales aren't showing in these results. The company did beat earnings, but iPhone sales were down by 26%, I believe. And that kind of impacted trading the following day. I think the market valuation for the company fell some north of $100 billion. But overall, I think next quarter things should pick up um, in, in terms of the report. So I think it's a good opportunity to buy the shares right now while they're down. Obviously, investors are sitting on the sidelines to see what the outcome of the election will be next week before things start to pick up again. You know, when will we get to the point where we're talking about the local, the locally listed tech stocks? Um, Jamaican well, companies listed on the stock exchange. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, we'll need more. And to get to that point, we'll also need more data collection because data is what drives these numbers. The, the, the U.S. market is very sensitive. Um, as you can see, GDP, they are the best GDP growth last quarter, even though that's still behind based on the, the outfall from the pandemic earlier on in the year. But it's really, really backed by data. And as, as you can grow these different sectors on the stock exchange and collect all of those data and report them on time and analyze them, then you can get to this level of conversation uh, where the U.S. market is concerned. Devroyd. Yes, um, I do think we're getting to the point where we're seeing more and more tech companies being formed in Jamaica, getting them to the point where they are able to list on the stock right. exchange. I believe that is the next hurdle that we need to, to sort of tackle. And it will be quite a, a rewarding day when we can see our own tech companies being discussed pretty much at this level. So yeah. it's something that I'm looking forward to as well. And they and they can have and they can have their own index. Yeah, indeed, definitely. Yeah. Let's, all right. Before we go, what are your predictions for the U.S. election? Well, um, and, and well, more importantly, so the the impact on the market either way. All right. I think I think Trump is going to win. Um, you think Trump will win? Yeah, I think isn't so. he behind in the polls? The numbers, like, like way behind in the polls. The numbers says otherwise, but I think he will pull through. Um, yes, he's a volatile man, and when you look at the numbers, some of the numbers do speak for themselves. I believe the S and P 500 during um, Trump's leadership has gained over 50 percent, um, probably the most in any other president under any other presidential governance. So. Um, the numbers are there, the economic numbers are there. I mean, um, even though they, had, they, they reported one of the highest GDP performance um, in history, I think that's still a bit questionable because when you look at the economy, fell off about 9.2% earlier this year and they... The, the results came in at 7.4. So it's still around approximately 3.5 behind. So you can't say it really is the best quarter under Trump's governance. But overall, when you look at the, when you factor in um, trade wars, um, the impeachment, um, the coronavirus, all of these factors that have been waning, it has increased volatility in the market. Yeah. When you have a market that is volatile, then 
you can benefit from from gains and that's what's been happening oh i see so devroy in your opinion who's better for the u.s economy trump or biden i would say um uh, well historically a republican president and one particularly that is a of a, a capitalist mentality has historically been better for the u.s economy so in that vein, I would say um, Trump. And again, the numbers are there to, to support it. The <laughs> yeah, stock market yeah. has been the highest it's, it's been um, under his um, presidency. Um, we've seen business confidence also increasing and support even for um, his Republican Party has been pretty much very high. Um, just based on how good Trump has been for the for investors in general, so my prediction would be that yes, he will, he will pull through, and we might see another four years of Trump. Wow, wow. Well, the polls are suggesting otherwise, so let's see what happens. We'll be monitoring yeah. election day. Thanks for your input, guys. You're welcome. Have a good right. day. This segment of Taking Stock, The Analysts, was brought to you by Ideal Portfolio Services. That's our show for this week. Thanks for watching. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to this channel, and share with a friend. Also, subscribe to our newsletter at kalilareynolds.com and turn on those post notifications so that you can be the first to see all of my videos. We want to help people learn more about money so we can all get this money together. Now, this week on Money Mondays, JA, when you hear the market gained or lost 500 points, have you ever wondered what these points actually are? Is it some kind of score? I'll break it down. And on Money Moves JA, we're looking at financial planning for small businesses. This is definitely a must-watch episode. Now follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kalila Ray and follow at Taking Stock JA on Instagram. If you want to connect with the analysts this week, check the description box below for their contact information. Now tell a friend about taking stock. Investing is the new sexy. So let's make it cool to talk about money. I'm Kalila Reynolds. Stay safe.